Hey everyone, I'm Rebecca Lloyd, the founder of This Independent Life, and this is the This Independent Life podcast. I'll be shining a light on people working to support personal independence for all, across industries and in their own unique way. Through inspiring conversations, storytelling, and real talk, you'll learn how to trust the process, how to uncover and pursue your true purpose, and how to embrace your independence and thrive in this independent life. Let's jump in. Welcome, Charlie, to This Independent Life. We're going to start at the beginning. What did you want to be when you grew up and did your career and life path follow what you expected from what you studied at school or university? I mean, massive question to kick off the podcast. Firstly, thank you so much for having me. What did I want to be? I think I actually wanted to be an artist. I really, really enjoyed painting and all creative endeavours at school. Then that was kind of poo-pooed by my parents as a career. So I then went into doing a law degree. (laughs) Like the total opposite. But actually, kind of in hindsight, I'm really grateful to have that foundation now, being in business and being able to read contracts and negotiate and stuff. Did my career path follow any sort of plan? Absolutely not not. After doing four years of law, definitely didn't want to be a lawyer. Then went into real estate just because my dad was in it and he just offered me a job. So that's what you did, I think. And then kind of really got into it. But what I got into was the like the negotiation and the deal side, like the hustle. Did that, moved to London. I was actually in property for like 15 years and I lived in Asia for six of those years. And then I started my first business in 2013 in Hong Kong. And everything I've done up until the last few years has kind of just been like opportunity led and I'm a like a yes person so I'm just going with the flow but I think when I had my daughter five years ago it was kind of a pivotal moment you know we talk a lot about Babu about the transition into parenthood and like it's such a mammoth point in your life and I think that really just started to give me a bit more purpose so now everything I do is either for her or because of her and that's how I've ended up here in building an online nursery and in early years education. Out of curiosity what led you to move abroad for six years? I honestly went on holiday to visit a friend who was a lawyer and she'd been seconded there and I met a guy offered me a job (laughs) so and I'd just broken up with a boyfriend and I just finished my master's so I was like I literally have no reason to stay in London and like three months later I moved out and I didn't actually know anyone because my friend had left by that point and I knew one guy that I met at a house party so I stayed with him for the first two weeks but it was amazing like the best thing I did living abroad I like strongly recommend it to everyone I love that (laughs) I love that. I lived abroad actually for two years and travelled a lot and I do think it's one of those things that everyone should just do, yeah. even if you don't know where you want to go. Like, Well, back to that independence thing, this whole topic, right? It's just so, like, it's so daunting. But, it, you know, push, being pushed outside your comfort zone, I think, is so good and you learn that you can do it, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Love that. So from that then, you just touched on Babu. So what inspired you to do what you do now and how does what you're doing support independence and freedom of choice for women and girls? <laughs> so what we're doing now with Babu is as I kind of briefly just mentioned we're building an online nursery so what is that it is essentially a content platform that supports both the parent carer and the child between conception and reception so from the time you find out you're pregnant all the way through to your child being five years old and starting school and it really kind of breaks down complex scientific research about child development about parents journey so their mental health their physical health and it supports the child's learning and development across seven areas of learning one of which 
which is health and self-care that we were just talking about. And so what we're trying to do is give parents the tools and resources to run a nursery from home. And a lot of that is activities that they can do at home from 15 minutes a day using stuff around the house, so low cost or no cost. You know, you don't need to go spend loads of money on Lego or whatever else. And really to kind of, I mean, to your point, teach them independence. You know, a lot of it's free play. So it's about child-led, letting a child explore their surroundings. You know, we teach them about their anatomy. So a lot of games, even the most simple things um, like peekaboo are about teaching them this concept called object permanence, which is the fact that something can disappear, but it can come back again, right? That's so vital to teach a child that for independence, they can be connected to someone, but they don't have to see them, but they're okay because that person will come back. And we have an activity called peekaboo feet, which is about covering a feet and lifting off. And that's just teaching a child about they have feet. But it's so obvious, but it's so basic. It's like, you know, teaching them about their physical self, their emotional self, how they can be independent. And all of that is so important for them to be a lifelong learner, to be self-sufficient and functioning as an adult. So that's it in a nutshell. (laughs) Does that answer your question? And what do you think is I guess the biggest reason, because arguably from what you were explaining, you can get a lot of this in nursery, right? Like in person. So I guess, was it kind of COVID inspired a little bit or was yeah, yeah. Or what was your kind of moment of realisation of being like, this just isn't good enough and we need to create something better? So prior to this, I was running a physical nursery. It was completely flexible pay as you go and it had an on-site co-working space. So it was predominantly for self-employed parents and we took babies from as young as six weeks and the idea was that you could be yourself, you could work and you could enjoy that part of yourself, but you could also be a present parent and be there to not miss your baby's first steps and um, you could go into the nursery and continue breastfeeding and we've got a lovely community of parents on the same journey who were really supportive of one another and the relationship between the staff in the nursery and the parents was amazing but the problem is that nursery is unaffordable to most like more than 80% of children in the UK do not go to nursery because it's unaffordable and now there is the whole sector's in crisis we've got this massive staffing crisis as a result of Brexit like they are losing staff to better paid jobs at McDonald's you know the the pay in early years education is, is atrocious and I think one of your questions later is about like what is the problem for women in the sector that's one of the big ones so a lot of people are using informal care like grandparents friends au pairs nannies who are not trained early years professionals so what we're trying to do is give those people the tools and actually open up alternative to parents outside of a nursery and have like nursery quality education and the best thing about Babu is it's tailored so it it tracks the child's development and it gives you different content week to week based on their age their preferences and their developmental capabilities so you know if they're really advanced in one area then they could be getting activities that are potentially for an older child that when you search the internet or you follow Instagram a lot of it's generic and it's maybe not relevant to your child developmentally so that's amazing and no I love that and sorry I'm like thinking as I'm speaking but really what you're doing is educating children but you're also educating caregivers exactly caregivers caregivers Caregivers. (laughs) (laughs) which is really interesting because when you would go to a traditional nursery you're not really getting that you're you're kind of putting your child in the hands of someone else and you're trusting in their experience and their capabilities but actually then being able to have those capabilities yourself there must be well you're empowering you know exactly as well and the other thing that we're trying to do is kind of blend different teaching approaches so we have Montessori forest school and yeah to your point with nurseries I think the problem problem pre-covid was they were viewed as babysitters put your child in nursery 
you go to work and then you pick them up at the end of the day, you get a piece of paper that said they ate some food, they had a nap, and you were very distant from actually your child's learning. And you, as, a, as an individual, weren't actually any wiser about, you know, and I, I fell foul of this because when COVID came and nurseries were shut, it was the first time in three and a half years that I was responsible for my daughter's education. And I didn't have a clue what she could or couldn't do or what I should be doing with her every day. And we were inundated by calls from friends, but also our customers, like, what are we doing? So that's, we you know, where the idea for Babu came about. It's like, okay, this is a big problem. People don't actually know how to educate their children under five. And yet it's the most crucial point, right? Like the experiences in the first five years go on to shape your next 50. Bad experiences under five lead to some of the biggest issues in society, like homelessness, addiction, unemployment, depression, suicide. So for me, it's just a massive problem that hasn't really had much attention because of that issue, as I said, of it being seen more as like childcare rather than early years education, you know? Absolutely. Amazing. So as someone who works in arguably, I would say, across health careers and finances, what's your perspective on the current situation for women in that sector? And what do you think needs to change? How can we go about improving things? Well, I mean, I just kind of mentioned a few problems with the early years education sector. I think there was a report published recently that said kind of 95% of employees feel unappreciated by politicians and 69% by society. And obviously, I think like less than 2% of people that work in nurseries or early years education are men. So it's predominantly a female issue. Mm. And so I think, you know, two of my staff here at Babook have come out of nurseries and I think they very much felt unseen in that industry, obviously underpaid. And yet what's crazy to me is they have to be qualified. You know, they have studied and they have to continually train themselves professionally. And they are responsible for three children at a time. Like it's a massive undertaking. And so, yeah, I think the view of women in the sector is poor. And as I said, the kind of view of all the importance of early education I think is is misunderstood and I think yeah and then as a result of that because of the way that people and particularly women have been treated we're now facing a massive staff shortage and you're seeing I mean just last week in the BBC News nurseries closing overnight and giving families zero notice that as of tomorrow they've got nothing (laughs) because they can't run because they have to have these government mandated ratios so if they haven't got the staff they can't take the children. What do you think is needed to help get more people into this as an industry then beyond, I guess, the salary aspect? I mean, I think the salary is a big thing and it, it's a it's a value thing. I think uh, the UK has the second highest cost of childcare in the world and it is not funded. Like a lot of countries give free nursery places from birth, you know, our free hours, which are not free, <coughs> they're funded. They actually cost the nursery. They're losing money. The nursery loses money to take one of those free spaces. So you get 15 free hours from the age of three. But what is someone to do between the years of, you know, zero and three? Um, that's why you've got women leaving the workforce you've got this big issue of the great resignation which all links back to the cost of nurseries so i really think and i've talked about this to death the government needs to subsidize childcare from birth like it's as simple as that and then you know subsidize doesn't have to be free but subsidize which would then allow staff to be paid more and the current review of the childcare situation by the government is actually to suggest that change the ratios instead of one to three it's one to four so staff have to take on 33 percent more children and assuming that they're happy to do that for no extra money apparently will give parents a 15% saving. So like, it's just ludicrous. It's just piling on more pressure on an already unhappy workforce. So yeah, basically, <laughs> what is wrong is the early years, cha- 
childcare is a predominantly female issue, right? It, the women are the ones leaving their jobs because of the cost of it. The women that work in the sector are impacted by lack of pay and lack of respect. So yeah, that's why I'm so passionate about it. I love it. I can feel your passion. <laughs> it's also really interesting for me because like I don't have children, but I'm at the age where people are having children and people are questioning me all the time about it. Obviously since the endo diagnosis, it's like, okay, well, I don't even know if I can have children. So that's a whole thing in itself. But then I had never even considered any of this. Like what you're saying is completely new information to me. And I imagine to probably a lot of people because what I'm realizing more and more as I speak to more women is that you don't know what you don't know. And so I had no idea that childcare was such a huge issue. And actually that's going to affect my independence if and when I decide to have children and how that's going to impact my career and how that's going to impact my finances and my ability to have freedom over my life if there's not really that as an option like no it's massive and I agree with you like until I had a child you hear all this noise but it means absolutely nothing to you and then I was so blasé about it I was like because I had a business at the time I was like well I'll just go back to work like it'll be fine and then the reason I started Cuckoo's Nest which was the flexible nursery was because no one would take my baby (laughs) I went back to work after six weeks because there was no one to take my place like we were a startup I didn't have maternity pay or like someone to step in I actually really wanted to like working as my identity like I've worked hard for my career and I probably was suffering a bit with like postnatal depression although I've never diagnosed and don't really admit it but like honestly at six weeks no one would take a baby that young probably for good reason and everything was just so expensive because to have a nanny is like 12 pounds an hour I probably wasn't even earning that as a salary so to go to work would be losing money so there is that battle of like independence financial security and having a child like these three things are fighting each other at the moment and it, and it shouldn't be that way you know if we want gender equality if we want women in leadership if we want our children to be living their best lives and improve as a society we need to invest in this problem yeah and I feel like I'm ranting no you're not <laughs> not knowing this information before going into having a child is also critical I feel like also from employers in a way employers government and just everyone I think you need to be prepared in life generally and even at schools like there's no education around how you have a family in quotes whatever your family is or what that process is it's very kind of basic like what we were talking about before like a penis in a vagina you get pregnant Bob's your uncle that's kind of it there's nothing about how it impacts your life and what sacrifices you have to make and actually should you be making those sacrifices and how you can think about it in a more holistic way instead of just you know I think people have this fairy tale oh yeah I'm gonna have kids I'm gonna do all of this and aren't really prepared for the reality and it sounds like what you're saying is that very much reflects your experience and you don't really appreciate that until you're in it and then when you're in it it's almost too late yeah yeah of course and yeah there's a massive education piece and I think I don't know about you but like I feel for myself and a lot of people my age we've been told anything's possible you can do anything you can have anything you want but it's all built up this thing of like you know as you say about families it's this assumption that whenever you want it it's easy you can get it there's no education around fertility there's no education around and then you get this disappointment like this when you can't immediately get pregnant pregnant or you know have to eventually go through IVF wherever you feel such a failure as a woman you can't do the one basic thing which is have a child but if you were educated like 99% or whatever the figures are you know struggle and the same for a career writer you can do whatever job you want you can be c-suite and it's like in reality it's effing hard to get there because of all these barriers that are in the way and everything else and then it's just again it compounds this feeling of it's just crap to be a woman <laughs> <laughs> nicely summed up all right What does independence mean to you? 
<laughs> such a big one too. I think it means living your life to the fullest, right? To like, hashtag live your best life, right? Like I think freedom is just so, just so vitally important. You know, I think freedom of choice, freedom of speech, freedom to wear what the hell you want and like without judgment and not being a reliant someone. Like I've seen from my parents' generation, you know, I'm one of four children. My mother gave up her job as a doctor to have a family, never went back to work, her choice. I think. But then my parents divorced and she was just like devastated. Like she just had nothing of her own. And so like that to me is anti-independence. That's like I think what I fight most against and what I'm trying to instill in my daughter is there's this concept in like secure attachment in early years. You need to know you're loved, you're valued, but like you don't need another person. Feel that. That's very waffly. (laughs) It's not waffly. It's very inspiring. Thanks. (laughs) What's the one thing you'd recommend to your younger self or people looking to embrace their authentic self and independence to follow their true purpose? in life so I'm like super critical of myself I think being the eldest of four daughters being raised in that way highly competitive environment part of me loves that about myself that I'm just like a bulldozer but the other part is you're not I'm not kind to myself so I definitely give the advice to like maybe mellow that out a bit also just don't be afraid of failure I lost a business in the pandemic it was a hospitality business which you know, in hindsight was completely understandable travel industry life fell to pieces but it felt crushing like I had a panic attack that I was hospitalized for like it just destroyed me and then like six months later I was doing a lecture to university students in Amsterdam about like what failure meant to me like being able to like turn that into a positive and be like it's okay like I survived it it was just a business it wasn't the end of the world and there were more businesses in me apparently so yeah I guess don't be afraid to fail would be the other thing I'd tell myself because that was not fun to go through but I'm here (laughs) (laughs) I'm a survivor As someone who's done or created a lot of businesses, how do you, beyond what you've just described, obviously, how do you actually do that? Because I just can't imagine, like, I feel like I have days where I'm like, I can't do this, what am I doing? And I've barely even, like, left the starting line. So I can't imagine going through that. Like, is it because you've seen the successes and you've seen the potential and you've almost grown from those experiences that you know you can get through it again? Almost like once you've tried something, the next time it's always easier? Or, you know, what is it about you or your experience that allows you to do that because I know there are some people that they do it and they're like I'm never going to do that again like my mum for example she started her own baby sling business she was a nurse like similar to your mum gave up working when she had me and my brother and sister and didn't work for 14 years and then my parents divorced and in that time she had to go back to work and all those kind of things and now I say to her but you have this amazing business and even though she had to close it down because she couldn't have you know enough time to dedicate towards it she's like no 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 I would never but I'm like she has all these incredible qualities and she's so supportive and she has all this advice and I'm like what is it that is stopping you from doing that again so I'm just interested to understand what is it that allows you to be like okay that was a failure but I'm gonna do it again in something because I know it's gonna work like what is that thought process if you know what I mean that was kind of yeah (laughs) no I I think there's like a few things in it and I I don't really know the actual answer part of it is it must be an insane amount of self-belief going on narcissism right like I just know that like at one point one of these is gonna work right I also think like I have kind of a, like an entrepreneurial thing right like I think some people love it and some don't and I guess that back to that independence point like the tipping point for me was having worked in I think three companies before I started my own I guess knowing my worth but that not being seen or valued in the workplace and being like if I work for myself it's only me in charge of my destiny and I don't need like you to be like putting the ceiling like I'd constantly but the previous company before I started my first one I'd be having meetings and he'd be like dangling this carrot but like never letting me get 
get there. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. You're promising me the world, but like putting me back in my seat. And I was like, this is so silly. Like I can go get my world. So I don't know. I say I've got no more in me, but like, I don't really believe that. Like I think like, I think one, and it's, it's kind of addictive. The highs and the lows, the drama. And building something is amazing. Like building a team, having a mission, like that kind of collegiate feel. I just love, so I don't know. I think, yeah, some people have it, some people don't. I would recommend everyone gives it a go because it is for me amazing. What was the tipping point or thing that made you take the leap from permanent corporate world into entrepreneurship? Do you want the real story? Yeah. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> if so, you're comfortable telling it. So someone like Spiteful at the company basically told my boss what I was planning. I was like writing a business plan, reading loads of business books and like I basically got fired because <laughs> they basically found out that I was planning on setting up my new business. So I was basically like frog marsh out of the office and then I was like, okay then, I guess I'm starting my own business. So it wasn't like a glamorous taking control of situation. But then I guess I did, right? Because then I was like, well, I now have my like six month gardening leave where I can't, you know, my non-compete and I went to the US and sat in California and read a load of business books and wrote my nice business plan. <laughs> so yeah, I bet I was pushed into it. It was already in motion, but yeah. <laughs> that is incredible. Do you think if you hadn't have been fired, like how long would it have taken you to, do you think that I you think, were like I think I was or? like on the edge, as I said, okay. like I was already like, you know, we just had a bonus review and like this whole conversation about the carrot again. And I'm like, like, just like <laughs> I'm tired of this. And maybe like the fact that I'd been talking about it with my colleagues was me kind of trying to make something happen, you know, like, you know, when you're in a relationship and you're like, you start to test the boundaries and like make situations happen that you're like, well, that wasn't my fault, but it kind of was my fault. So yeah, I think I would have, I think I would have left shortly thereafter. I don't regret it at all, really. It was the best thing that happened. Is there anything else that you want to share before we wrap? Oh my God, I've shared a lot. Um, <laughs> no, not at all. Thank you so much for having me. I guess it would be great to promote Babu. So to follow us at my.babu, um, website www.babu.co.uk. For anyone that has children under five and wants activity ideas to do at home that support that health and self-care, that financial literacy. So I was just letting you know earlier that we're working on a series of activities that support children's understanding of money and the value of money and like mathematical concepts. You know, there are things you can do from like birth to start that conversation. So yeah, sign up, join the waitlist, test the product, give us some feedback. And thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Oh my God, this has been so fun. And yeah, I love that we're recording this in a cupboard. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And yeah, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so thank much. You. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of This Independent Life. For more inspiring conversations, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts where we have more for you to enjoy. If you liked this episode and want to help spread the word, please do rate, review and share with your community. We love seeing you share the love, so feel free to tag us using at This Independent Life. For more information on other This Independent Life activities, or if you have any requests for who you'd like to see on the podcast in future, check out our website at thisindependentlife.co and subscribe to our newsletter message us on Instagram or get in touch at Rebecca at thisindependentlife.co. DMs are always welcome. I hope this podcast has helped you feel inspired to embrace this independent life, whatever that may look like for you. Until next time, I'm Rebecca Lloyd and you've been listening to This Independent Life.